Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. I want to start off by saying... I want you to I want you to listen to this. If you're a person that experiences, um, you know, all these things that we talk about, mental wellness, you have mental health issues when it comes to post-traumatic stress, depression, anxiety. I want to say this, and I want this to soak in because this came from a, a conversation I had recently with someone who's on the receiving end of the the bad stuff that goes along with you know, someone who's affected by all this. And I want to talk to those who, who are affected. And I want to say, say this loud and clear. And I hope it truly, truly resonates and soaks in and it makes you stop and think. And that is this, you cannot keep apologizing things away. Period. You just can't do it because at some point you become the the person or the boy, or the girl who, who cries wolf. If every time you keep doing the same things over and over and you keep treating people the same way over and over and you keep apologizing it away, at some point it's going to fall on deaf ears and your apologies are going to become meaningless over time. And other people are going to see that as well. I example your children, if you have children. And they're going to see mommy or daddy blow up and then they're going to see mommy or daddy apologize and make like everything's okay. But at some point it stops being okay. Fellas, I'm talking directly to men when I, when I talk about this, it's, uh, I found myself in that rut, right? I would, I would do things, I would say things, and then I would just apologize it away. And then like it would, it, I forgot about it, but the other party didn't. And, and after a while, they just stop believing you and then they're just they're just waiting on the next one. Okay, I'm going to wait on the next blow up or I'm going to wait on the next apology. And a lot of times it's because we feel like we're disrespected as men. Um when we feel challenged as men, and I know um that's kind of when I feel challenged, sometimes man my blood starts fucking boiling. I can feel it happening. And naturally as an alpha, we don't accept challenge very well. And I look at when I was a police officer, if we were challenged back then, like we policed a lot differently, we could do things differently back then when you were challenged. But now to in today's policing, if you're challenged now, you really can't do shit and you really have to understand how restraint works. And you have to exercise that restraint when you're on the job, because if you abuse that restraint and that authority, 
and you react every single time you're challenged negatively and it, and it, um, there's consequences for that. And it's the same thing with our families. There's consequences to abusing those challenges. You can, you can be challenged and handle the confrontation differently. You have to learn how to not be a caveman about it. And trust me, I'm not, I'm the pot calling a kettle black. I get it, but I'm learning. I'm constantly evolving. And if you don't evolve, you're going to be the same. I'm talking to men specifically. You're going to be the same man five years from now that you are today, except the only difference is you may or may not have a family. You may or may not have friends around you that support you while you have those support items, including people. When you have those people in your life, take the time to step back and look at how you've abused certain challenges and try to learn from it. Try to say, okay, in this instance, I could have done this. I could have done that. And the next time the right button gets pushed, let me pretend like I'm back on the job. If this were, if, if I was a cop or a fireman in the street and some civilian challenged me this way, I'd have to handle it differently. Just because it's family doesn't make it okay to beat up on them verbally. It just, it does not. Absolutely not. I say this because this came, this exact message came from a, uh, from a message on Instagram and it's the, I, I am that guy. I was that guy. I'm, I'm moving steadily further away from that guy. But the only way that I was able to move away is I had to own my own shit. And it was some of the hardest work that I ever had to do in the world because I had to admit fault and I had to admit that I wasn't right. And I had to admit that. And it was not easy. It's actually embarrassing. And for dudes like me, for alphas to admit wrong and to submit to that and to actually start to try to change, to accommodate other people, it's hard work, man. It's an, and, and it's embarrassing because we have to show a certain level of vulnerability that we are not good at doing. So what we do is we hide from that and we fight it tooth and nail. And we know we're fucking wrong. We know we're wrong when we say it because you know why? Because when, after we hurt our family with words and we walk outside, when we realize, fuck, everything I just did, everything I just said, I set the wrong example and I'm fucking wrong. So we go back in and we apologize. But the problem is we don't learn from it and we don't try to do better next time as we start repeating the vicious cycle. I got a message from a, from a wife and she was talking about, it's hard for me to manage my husband's triggers. And I stopped her dead in her tracks. And I said, you got to stop that. It is not your responsibility to manage anybody's triggers. It is our own responsibility to manage our own triggers. And I had to realize that too, because that's what was happening in my house. I expected other people to tread lightly around me and to understand my triggers. And you better not pull those triggers, push those buttons because you're going to get a reaction. And that is where I was weak. And when I realized, wait a minute, I, I am this big, tough, strong man, and it only makes me stronger when I can be in control of my own shit. And I had to sit down and admit that to myself. And I had to talk about my triggers. I actually, I actually sat down at my desk and talked about my triggers out loud one day. And I was like, all right, how can I manage these? 
I know what sets me off. How can I do this instead of making it everybody else's problem? And when I started doing that, I really started owning my shit. And you could really see a behavioral change because the problem is we're creatures of habit. We always fall back on what we know, what, how we've always done it. But just because you've always done it that way doesn't make it right. I was thinking about my father growing up when he would, he would tell me about the beatings that, he would, that they would get from D.C., my grandfather. And then I was raised not getting beatings. It was a toned down version, but it was badass spankings with big belts and shit. And then I started raising my girls that way. And then I stopped one day. I was like, look, that just, this doesn't make it right because this is how it's always been done. And I used to fault parents for not spanking their kids. And now I look back and I'm like, I wish I could take those spankings back and, and do discipline a different way. Now I don't spank anymore. But I hate any time that I had to use a belt on my own children. And I think about that and it actually bothers me. And you always hear people, especially from the old school, like I'm from, they're like, shit, I got spankings. It didn't bother me. Didn't And half the time you can look at people and I'm like, yeah, it did fuck you up. You're a fucked up individual. A lot of times you can see that it does something to us just because we've always done it a certain way does not mean it's fucking right. Don't be so ignorant that you're not willing to learn, especially Learn about the most important topic in your life, which is your life, the evolvement of your life and how your evolvement helps other people that look up to you and how you're creating their evolvement. Think about it like that. Everything you do, everything you say is being recorded in the minds of others, especially those at home and especially those that we love. And we're changing them to see things our way. And that's not necessarily right. What do they say? You can practice all day long. Perfect practice doesn't make perfect, right? Because you can, well, no, what is it? Was it practice makes perfect? That's the saying. And I learned this in the Marine Corps. Practice doesn't make perfect because you can practice fucked up all day long. And guess what you're going to be come game time? You're going to be fucked up if you've been practicing wrong your whole life. Perfect practice makes perfect. I'm not trying to be a ninja up here or some kind of samurai, but you have to master yourself. And it's, it, I don't think you're ever going to do that because we're constantly learning and we're constantly evolving. I'm not the same dude today that I was five years ago, 10 years ago. Even things that I think was funny 10 years ago, I don't really think is funny now. Things that I would say 10 years ago, I would never say now because I'm evolving. So why does my behavior have to be the same? Why does my behavior have to be stuck in the past? Why can't my behavior evolve into the present and, and into the future answer. The, the short answer is it is we fall back because that's easy. Well, this is the way I was raised. This is how I've always done it. And this is how it's going to be. No, you're being a pussy and you're being a coward and you're being weak. If you refuse to accept that you need to change, if you're abusing people around you, that's just the honest truth. That's not me being a dick to anybody. That's not me calling anybody out. That's the honest truth. That is if, if somebody was sitting across this table from me, that's what Travis needed to hear 10 years ago. But I had nobody to do that for me. I had no resources available. You could Google this shit all day. There was no, there was no, um, there was nobody podcasting about this. There were no books really about this stuff that, um, I could relate to. It'd be from somebody that had a, a PTSD story, but I didn't relate to their story and their feelings and all that. So I just stop being a pussy, address your shit. Stop using it as a crutch. Stop using your past as a crutch. Whatever happened to you fucking happened. Be stronger for it, goddammit. Don't fuck up the people around you because of what happened to you. It's not fair. And a lot of us, guess what? 
Other people did that to us. You may have been growing up by somebody who suffered from something and they took all their shit out on you. And guess what you're doing in turn? You're now taking it out on them and it's not fucking fair. You know, my grandfather had a short fuse and guess who, guess who he passed that short fuse down to his entire lineage because nobody ever learned from it. He passed it to my father and my father passed it to me and my father, as much as I love my father, y'all hear me talk about my father all the time. My father never stopped and really addressed that fuse. We just always knew, and this isn't me knocking my father, but this is because this, he did things the way they were always been done. And as I evolved as a person, I realized a lot of shit was wrong with me and I started addressing that and I started getting honest with myself and I'm like, look, I love my father. I love every aspect about the man, but that doesn't mean that I have to be just like him, right? I have a short ass fuse too. I know what sets that fuse off. And now where I used to walk around, I'm like, don't be the one to fucking pour gasoline on this fuse. Now I'm like, you know what, Travis, you need to carry a little bucket of water. And when that fuse does get lit, you need to dip your fingers in it and grab the wick. And you need to um, put that fuse out. That's your responsibility. Nobody else's. The bottom line, and I say this over and over and over again. I talk about it in my book. I've talked about it on multiple podcasts. If you want to be better, you have to do better. And if you think for a second you don't have a problem and every time you turn around there's an issue in your family with you and other people, guess what? It's you. You ever hear that? You ever hear that old saying where I don't take relationship advice from a motherfucker who's been married five or six times, right? And if you hear somebody's been married five or six times, they're always bitching about the other person. It's kind of like, hey, wait a minute, motherfucker. It might be you. And the same applies into mental health, right? Same with alcoholics. They don't like admitting they have a problem. That's hard to do. But I'm telling you, man, the second you can sit down and admit to yourself 100% open and honest conversation with yourself and say, I have a fucking problem and everything that's going wrong in my life, it's because of me. Dude, shit will change for you so fast. It is a light switch. It's a light switch. We talk about perspective, man. I was just in Orlando. We were talking about gratitude and I was at safety and health conference in Orlando, Florida at a resort down there for, um, it's a Florida fire chief association. And a friend of mine gave a, uh, a presentation on gratitude and it was an amazing thing. She was just talking about simply just stopping. And thinking about the things that you're thankful for. And every day for about 30 days, I can't remember, it's 30 days or 60 days, something like that. Just write it down so you can see it and store that away somewhere. What are you grateful for today? One or two times a day. You can do it in a notebook on your phone. And you can't do the same old normal shit. Well, I'm thankful for my family. No shit. Everybody's thankful for their family. Why don't you dig deep and find something you're truly thankful for? And I thought about this today. You know what, I, you know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for my hands. As crazy as that sounds, I've been able to do so much with these two hands that I've completely neglected them my entire life. And I've never thought twice about my hands. And as I was sitting there this morning thinking about gratitude and gratefulness, I just looked at them and I was like, man, these hands have done so much. They've helped. They've hurt. They've nurtured. They've healed. They've helped people up. They've put people down. They've done a lot of different things, but they're good hands. And without them, 
I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have anything that I have. I wouldn't be where I am without my hands. And then it started making me think. I was like, damn, I'm grateful for my fucking toes. Cause one of my toes almost blew off. I don't know if I talked about this in the past. I almost blew it off my big toe with a pressure washer when I was doing my, um, my pool deck one time. This was like, it was like six years ago, high pressure, commercial grade pressure washer with the jet nozzle. I accidentally hit my foot barefoot and it blew my fucking toe off to the point where it didn't blow it off, but it was hanging and it was hanging by, uh, it blew the ligaments off and the toe was just drooped. It didn't sever the bone or anything, but, and it blew all that pressure into my foot. My foot was the size of a basketball and it was, um, it was bleeding and I, I didn't, I didn't want to scream cause I didn't want to be a little bitch, but a man, I did what they call a man moan. Like, like you could tell I was passionate about being hurt, but I was, I was moaning like a fucking caveman. Right. And I had to go to the hospital and three surgeries later, they were able to finally, they couldn't fix it because the ligament was so damaged. So what they did is they sewed my EHL tendon, my extensor hollis longus. See, y'all don't know I went to medical school and they sewed it down to the next tendon over. And I don't know that tendon, but they, they pretty much isolated the two dead ends of it. And they, um, they sewed it into the other tendons case in point. I just, I never thought about my toes until the other day. I was grateful. I was like, man, without that big toe, I really wouldn't be able to walk well. And I like to walk around my farm and and look at everything that I've done with, guess what? With these two fucking hands. And what allows me to walk around this farm are these two fucking feet. And I'm grateful for that. What are you grateful for? Dig deep. Find something that everybody else just wouldn't think about. And try to do that on a daily basis. Because we're good at, we're good at focusing on the 15% of negative things in life. 85% of our life is fucking fantastic. But when things are going well, you don't focus on that. We focus on the negative. I'm excited that uh, yesterday I sat down with Jeff Foxworthy on his on his radio show and over a Zoom meeting. And, man, we talked for an hour and a half. 30, 30 minutes of it was off camera. And we had a fucking ball. And Jeff's just a dude like me. I've always idolized that man. I've always looked up to him. Um, when I was overseas, He was. Um, they were just really getting big. With, with Jeff and Blue Collar Comedy Tour. I mean, he was already big before that, but <clears throat> I never thought I would be sitting down over a computer screen talking to the man the way that we talked. I felt like I was talking to my dad or my uncle. I mean, it, and we started talking about how, how we, when things go bad, how we focus so much on that. And I just started shaking my head because I talk about that at length all the time. Next time something's going bad in your day, next time you're having a fucked day or a fucked week, just step back for a second. If you're in your car and you're bitching, guess what you got in your car? Chances are you got air conditioner. Chances are you got a radio and you can actually listen to something that can change your mood. You can put the windows down and breathe that, guess what, that fucking air that one day you're not going to be able to breathe and that so many people have struggled and tried to get their last breath and they were unable to. You're going to be able to do that and think about that and be thankful for what you fucking have and the things around you. And the health around you. I got a call the other day from a firefighter who I adore. I met during a, a training session one time out of town. And this is anonymity, so I'm not going to say where I was. But I know he listens to this show. And he has family members that listen to this show. And I think highly of this person. And um, this isn't me kissing ass because I'm far from that. But I care about this man. And I care about his family. And I know he's had problems. And I, and I care about his recovery. And I don't want to see him do to his family what I did. And um, he messaged me the other day and told me about a 
an incident that was bothering him. And I was on the road and I was trying to read this novel that he wrote to me because I told you I'll try to check every message and I was just reading it and I was like, fuck, man, just call me. And he didn't have my number, so I, I shot him my my number and he called me and he goes, dude, I'm sorry to drop all this on you. And I was, I was like, no, man. I was like, I can tell you're hurting. What's up? And he started talking to me and then he mentioned the word suicide, but he said, I'm not thinking about doing that, but sometimes it does seem like a way out and bam, it hit me. And I was like, you got, you got fucking issues that you need to resolve. And we started, we started talking about that at length. And, and, you know, after that phone conversation, it ended very, it ended very well with it ended with a thank you. And then it ended up with a follow thank you coming from Instagram. And you could tell his brother just had some shit he needed to get off of his chest. And during that phone conversation, I do remember talking about being grateful. And I was like, man, you got, you got so many good things going for you, but you can't see it right now because you're focusing so much on the the other bullshit that really, and he said it as soon as I got there, I said, and guess what? And he goes, it don't mean nothing. And it doesn't mean anything. That's probably one of the most powerful episodes I've done. It don't mean nothing because I've reiterated that to myself a million times since then. And I've talked to several other people during the conversation. They've actually stopped their complaining by saying that. They're like, you know what? Never mind. It don't mean nothing. And that is actually where our phone call ended. He's like, you're right. It don't just don't mean anything. Thank you so much. But it's hard to, when you're having a shitty day, to, to think about those things. Um, I'm out here the other day with my dad. He's out here farming with me. First of all, I got to tell y'all, um, I, I sprained my asshole like Seriously, I didn't know you could sprain your asshole, but I, I literally sprained mine. And um, the other day, my dog Fancy was in the pasture and she came running at me and uh, she was just trying to have some fun. And I go, all right, bitch, I'm going to show you. And I took off from I'm talking. I took off from a dead stop to I could probably got up to about four miles per hour running in a dead sprint and something something popped in my asshole like and it it went through my whole body whatever it was i think it was my asshole and i i didn't make it 40 fucking feet fuck a 40 yard dash i couldn't make it 40 feet people i and i used to be a very athletic man worked out my whole life and i can't run 40 feet to save my life and i had to grab defense and just lean on it and i was like i reached back i literally grabbed my asshole and i was like what just happened and it felt like my whole back and my asshole became one. And then later that day, I was laying on the porch. My back was inflamed. I had I had um, severe pain shooting down my legs. And I, what I think what happened was I have three herniated discs in my back, and I aggravated one or two or three of them. <laughs> so I don't know why I tell you that story other than be careful, man. If you're going to start taking off running, you better warm up. But I was out here working with my dad. And I got to tell you all this story. One day, my dad's so funny, man. He's uh, this is how this is how country he is. One day when we were flipping houses years ago, I was taking my dad out for lunch because we worked really hard and uh, we were passing at Applebee's in Somerville, South Carolina. And I said, Dad, I go, you want me to take you to Applebee's and we go to lunch? And he goes, for what? Applebee's. He said just like that. And I was like, what? And he goes, I ain't going there. We're going in there with all them highfalutin ass people. I was like, fucking Applebee's? I think, you think Applebee's? He goes, yeah, that's where all them business people go. And I was like, motherfucker, that's the neighborhood bar and grill. He thought Applebee's was highfalutin. And I'd forgotten about that for so long. Well, the other day, we are here 
doing some fencing on my farm and I had to get ready to go to Orlando in a couple days. Right. And my dad, I was like, yeah, dad, I got to go to Orlando in a few days. And, uh, he stopped me. He goes, they putting you up in a nice place. And I go, yeah, pretty nice. He goes like, what, like a Howard Johnson or something. <laughs> a fucking Howard Johnson. I'm sitting here crying. He meant it. People. He was dead serious. Like you could take my dad right now into any town. And be like, hey, man, I'm going to give you a room at the Howard Johnson on us. And shit, my dad, that was Jed Clampett right there, boy. He think he'd made it. So I had to tell that story. But here's the deal with Orlando. They didn't put me up in a Howard Johnson. However, they put me up in a very, very nice suite in a very nice um, spot and resort. Okay. And I got a funny story for you. So that night I'm sitting there watching TV the night before my, um, my keynote presentation the next morning, I was the main speaker at the event. And so I'm up at, I'm up there watching Yellowstone and it has one of those key cards to get inside the room. And I hear somebody out there swiping and I hear my door beeping, beep, beep. And damn, I was like, is somebody at my fucking door? And I, and so I, I muted Yellowstone and I heard it. And so I got up and I, I walked over to the door and looked out the peephole and all I saw was the back of somebody real quick, just going down the hall. And I was like, ah, maybe I must have had a wrong room. Well, I get in my drawers and I'm in my bed in my drawers later that night. And, uh, it's like 11 o'clock at night. And I am, I mean, I'm out and I hear my door and I thought I was dreaming. And then I wake up and I hear the fucking door open and I had the latch closed at the top. And you know, what's on my nightstand, baby Glock. And I grab my Glock. I'm in my drawers. I run over the fucking door is open and I see a hand in there trying to get this fucking latch undone. I shut the damn door, almost hit this man's hand, uh, unlatch the door. I fling the door open. I didn't pull my weapon just yet, but I had it where I could, I had it right behind that door in case I needed to use it. I didn't know what was going on. And the guy jumped back in the hall. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He had all this gear, like all this, uh, he had some equipment, some tools and shit. And I was like, I go, what the fuck are you doing? And then I look at his shirt. He was from the resort. And he goes, man, I'm sorry. I, I, they, they told me nobody was in this room. And I said, who is they? And he goes, the front desk. Turns out they checked me in earlier but forgot to put me into the computer as checked in. They activated my keys. And then they later on that evening tried to check somebody else and gave them keys. And that's who was trying to get into my room later that night. So they were trying to fix the problem. And the maintenance guy thought something was wrong with the lock. And so I had this. I had this whole issue. It's always me in hotels and other dudes, man. But that was, that was scary as shit, man. It was, um, that was a very scary moment. And I remember they, they, they did, the hotel did make it up and they're like, oh, breakfast is on us. And I wanted to be like, motherfucker, do you know how frightening that is to be waking up out of a dead sleep to find another human being in your fucking room, almost trying to get in, especially with a dude like me, guess what room I was in? Oh, I won't tell you what room number, but I was on the seventh floor. I was in one of the 700 rooms. There's over 700 fucking rooms in this place. And out of all of the rooms that this is going to happen to, it's got to happen to mine. Ain't that crazy? So, but perspective, right? How do I want to look at that situation? Do I want to see it as fucked up or do I want to see the good in it? Now I'm choosing to see the good because I got a story to tell and I got free breakfast out of the deal. You know, I was on the phone again this morning with my dad and we, we always have these very deep conversations or, uh, you know, not all the time, but this morning I was just telling him how much I appreciate that old saying, you know, it takes a bigger man to walk away. And it just made me think about all these things, like, especially what I was alluding to in the beginning of this, this episode where 
Sometimes you just got to walk away and you can't let your reaction dictate the situation. Like your reaction needs to be shutting the fuck up and, and walking away. And you know, the old, the other saying cooler heads prevail, right? But yet in the heat of the moment, we don't do that. And one of the, one of the little techniques I like to use is I like to think to myself, as soon as something happens, I try to now ha- I have a, I have a thing that I do. Like if something happens, I immediately think, what do I have to lose if I react the way that I want to react? Right now, sometimes we're impulsive and we, we react without thinking because guess what? That's the way we've always done things. But I, I do it differently. Now I try to literally stop and like, what do I have to lose if I react this way? And you'd be surprised at the shit you'd come up with. And you'd be surprised at how you can see the negative consequence that's coming for you. If you react the way that you react. But a lot of times we just didn't know that. We just didn't know. We didn't educate ourselves. We didn't try to do anything different because we've always done it the same way. So I encourage you to try to do that sometime. The next time something tests you or you feel like you're disrespected in a way or you feel like you really want to say something, so you just have to do it. But just do you fucking really? One of the biggest killers in human beings is pride. And Marcellus Wallace says it best in Pulp Fiction. That's pride fucking with you. And that's all it is. Nine times out of 10, if I look back on any confrontation or negative situation that I could go back and change, it was because of my pride. And we also, I teach this in my course, post-traumatic purpose. A lot of times we don't reach out for help because guess why? Pride. And we don't want people to see us vulnerable. We don't want people to consider us as weak. So what do we do? We mask that shit with a bullshit coat of armor and we flex and we pretend that we're strong enough to handle it. But really fucking not. I'm going to go on a tangent. (laughs) It'll go a fucking tangent right now. Because I wear Carhartt. I got a lot of Carhartt stuff. I love it because it's very good, uh, good quality material, especially when you do the stuff that I do. I got a Carhartt jacket that has been stuck by barbed wire. It's been burnt by a fucking fire. And it's still a very good jacket. And it's not torn to shreds. The material is woven so tightly. This is, I do not have a Carhartt sponsor, but listen to me. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. I don't own Carhartt draws because I'm not rubbing up on anything that rough. Okay. I'm not out there rubbing up my stuff on barbed wire, but I have Carhartt pants, Carhartt shirts, Carhartt jackets and gloves. All right. That Carhartt shit that I own, it works. And it gets out there with me every day and it grinds its ass into the dirt. And when I'm hobbling up to the fucking house every day, that Carhartt is on me, draped across me. And it hobbles inside with me until I take it off and hang it up and get get it ready for the next day. And here's why I'm talking about Carhartt so much. I saw a meme the other day that hit home. One thing I don't like is motherfuckers who play pretend, who try to be things that they're not. And I saw this meme and it made me think of almost every man in Charleston, South Carolina during the winter and fall months <laughs> and fuck them. Here's why his meme said, everybody wants to wear Carhartt, but nobody wants to do Carhartt shit. And I love that meme. I love that saying I saw a guy the other day. I'm at chicken salad chick. All right, let me explain this. This is. This is a, uh, it's a bougie chicken salad place, but it's delicious. Okay. 
I'm sitting there. I drove back to Charleston. I got the armpits ripped out of my shirts. I'm wearing a black shirt that says India on the back. That was my company in the Marine Corps. And it's about 12 years old, the shirt. And I got um, both of the armpits are blown out. I'm wearing my dirty ass Carhartt pants. They got grease on them, gasoline, anything else, blood. And then I got my busted up cowboy boots. I got a hole in the side of it that if you step in a water puddle, it's like your foot got hit with a tsunami. But that's the way I roll out here on my farm. Well, I had to go back to Charleston because it was my daughter's basketball game that night. So I rolled in early so I could stop by a chicken salad chick. What I did not do is take a fucking shower and get all prissy and all fucking pretty. And I rolled up there like the dude that I am. And I got my classic Carol toasted chicken salad chick sandwich with jalapeno chips and a lemonade. And I waited my ass. I went, or excuse me, I I took my shit and I went outside and I sat there in the sunshine where it was nice. And then I saw this normal fake ass guy from in lives in Charleston. He pulls up in his stupid diesel truck that his daddy bought him. He gets out. He's got perfectly shined boots. He's got a Carhartt vest on with a plaid shirt underneath it with his eyeglasses, his whatever brand is a uh, Kosa sunglasses with the croquis, the little cord that holds them on the back of your head. He's got that on with his Carhartt pants. And he looks like he's standing in the window of a fucking Carhartt clothing store. Like he looked like a fucking one of the mannequins. And he just walked in and I'm, I was just laughing. Cause you know, that's not, that's not that guy. That's not who he is because you know, a dude like that is making up for something. I can see it from a mile away. Yeah, firefighters, you know, you know the guys, right? And I'm I'm gonna bust some I'm gonna bust some asses on this one. I never ever liked the fire shirts, the bullshit fire shirts that all these fucking tool bags would wear. And if you got one, you need to go in there right now, be ashamed of yourself, and use it as a fucking oil rag, or use it to start a bonfire. If you have a fucking shirt like this and you're a firefighter. You need one that says, I fight what you fear or sleep with a fireman. We find them hot and leave them wet. You're a fucking tool bag and you need to take that shit. Be ashamed of yourself and do away with it. Cause I promise you real fucking firemen guys that do it day in, day out, who grind it to the fucking bone and who live the life. They ain't wearing that shit. <laughs> take that shit off. Now I'm gonna get some hate for that, but I'm, I'm coming at you from a funny standpoint. If that is your shit, go ahead and wear it. But what I'm getting at is this. I don't, I can't, I never say names and this is me on a rant. So if you don't want to hear a rant, go ahead and turn this shit off. The educational portion of this is fucking done. <laughs> um, I hate when I go to these fucking get togethers and I see these clowns wearing these Patagonia vests and these Carhartt, everything. And you know, these are bitch made dudes. There's no real man underneath that cloth at all. And when you go to shake their hands, it feels like you stuck your hand in either fucking soft rabbit pussy or you stuck it right into a sink full of dish soap. You know, you grab a man's hand, you know immediately what you got. You know if you got a fucking man. Just about turning some broke back mountain shit, but I don't care. Listen, stop wearing that gear if you can't do the work. The reason I come up with this as I was just on the phone with somebody, I can't even tell you who. <laughs> There's military people out there, all right, who, who didn't 
do the service that they portray they did. And y'all have heard me talk about this shit, right? I'm not saying you got to be some combat guy, whatever. And I'm trying to do this as tasteful as possible because I'm not caught. I, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of people on Instagram and Facebook and stuff, right? And I see some who people portray, what they portray about themselves, but I actually know the real them and who they were when they were in the military, let's just say. And they're so far from that person that they have everybody else in their personal life fucking fooled where the guys that have served with these people are just like, who in the fuck are you pretending to be? And it's insulting. It's insulting to the, to the fucking dudes who, who, who actually did the job when you didn't do the job, but you're out there pretending to be something you're absolutely not. And what it is, is it's making up because I think, I think people like that realize that they ain't shit and they realize that they pissed away the opportunity when they had it and they didn't make the most of it and they didn't do it and they fucking now they're regretting it and now they're trying to make up for it in their fucking mid 40s. You know what I mean? Sorry, I don't get on rants too much, but I have to. Just remember that next time you see somebody wearing Carhartt, you look at them and you question, you doing Carhartt shit or are you just a fucking poster boy? I want to end it on this. How do you handle grudges? Um, I don't like grudges. I hate them. I think they're, um, they're a waste of uh, time and it's a waste of life, right? I'm a firm believer in if you got something to say to somebody, you say it, you don't attack them, but you find a way, you find a way to get it knocked out of the way so you can move on. One thing I never like is when somebody, you know, somebody's got something to say, but they won't say it. They hold it in. And so what, what happens is you end up feeling that you feel that grudge. You feel that tension. This can be in a personal relationship with a spouse. This can be with a family member. This can be with a friend. This can be with a fucking school bus driver. <laughs> it can be with a lady at the fucking store. But you can feel that tension. And it does nobody any good. You know what that does? That tension just gets tighter and tighter over time. If you don't handle it. And the tighter that tension gets. At some point. That's going to come undone. And it's not going to be good for anybody. And the reason I brought this up. Is because I had a conversation again this morning. With somebody else about a potential grudge held against me and I know it's there. I can feel it and I've known it's there for a long time. I've never said anything because again, if I do, I look like the bad guy in the situation. So I addressed the person that I know that knows the other person. I was like, have that person call me and get it off their chest because this isn't cool. I'm right here. I'm an easy guy to find. And what I want to ask you is how do you handle grudges? Do you just let them go? Because that doesn't mean you're confrontational. If you handle it, what it means is you care enough about the person to find out what's on their fucking mind. If I didn't care about somebody that had a grudge, dude, there's a lot of people that have grudges me that I don't give a fuck about. And guess what? I don't care about their fucking grudge, but if I care about you and you have a grudge and it's with me, let's get it knocked out. And you got to find a way to communicate diplomatically in doing so, right? And that requires two-way communication. That requires one talk, one listen. And when one's done talking, the listener now gets to talk and the other talker now has to fucking listen. And what it doesn't need to turn into is proving your point. Well, 
I'm mad or I'm upset with you because you did this, blah, 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 blah. And now all of a sudden I get defensive and try to defend that. That's not the way you handle it. You understand what that person is saying before you go on the attack and listen to them. Literally, generally, like genuinely listen to what they're telling you and absorb that information before you spring out of your chair and be like, yeah, motherfucker, but bam. So I've actually, I'm actually challenging myself with, with this actually happened this morning. I'm actually challenging myself to handle something that's coming and I'm, I'm challenging myself to handle it in a different manner than I normally would, because guess what? I have to evolve from being a fucking caveman. I'm not a bad communicator anymore. I I used to be horrible, horrible. It was a one way street. I've gotten a lot better over the years, but there's always room for work. And I know this conversation is coming. I'm not planning anything. Cause I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not like, all right, I'm going to have this point and make this point. I'm going to listen to what this individual has to say to me. And I'm going to process that. And I might not say anything back. I might even challenge myself. Like, you know what? I appreciate you. Appreciate you opening up and appreciate you being man enough to talk to me and not just keep that shit inside like a little bitch, because that's what, that's what I don't like. I don't like when you got something to say and you're not even man enough to say it. And because what it does is it makes things worse. It's you're not solving a problem. You're making a problem worse when you're not able to talk with somebody about the problems you have with them. If you care about that person. Now, if somebody you don't care about, fuck them. You ain't got to tell them shit. But if it's somebody you care about, you got to find a way to communicate with them. I hope there's some value in that message today in this episode. Um, I certainly had fun with it. My favorite part was the sprained asshole because I didn't write that down. I just came up with it. I don't know if that's a real injury or not. Um, but if there's any like doctors or physicians out there that listen to this, Hit me up. Let me know what we can do. I mean, I might be able to open a sprained asshole clinic and and kind of show how to treat that. Um, Get me a little billboard and come up with a creative sign. Do you have a sprained asshole? Uh, If so, call the ass doctor. You know, I do have three donkeys now. So I got the big ass ranch. I know a thing or two about asses. All right, man. I love y'all. Y'all have a good one.